Thank you for listening to this episode. We hope you enjoy it. If you're enjoying Pirate Living Podcasts and all the content we bring to you each week, you can support us and buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash pirate living. Other ways you can show your support as well, subscribe and follow Pirate Living Podcast, rate and review our show, and share this podcast with your friends. You can find us on Instagram at Pirate Living Podcast to keep up with the latest episodes, awesome guests, and bonus clips. Pop in and say hi. We love chatting with fellow pirates. You can also reach out to us uh, to learn more about our individual and group coaching programs. And as usual, keep creating good trouble. And now on to today's episode. Welcome to Pirate Living Podcast. We are your host, Karan and Kristen. On this podcast, we are highlighting ordinary people living extraordinary lives. These are pirates who take small, bold actions daily to create social change. Pirate life is all about rebelling and breaking the rules for good. Creating lasting social change starts by first breaking our inner rules. After all, the hardest rules to break are your own. The pirates we highlight have dedicated themselves to creating good trouble. Today, we are talking with John Perez. John is the CEO of The Rising Warrior, which provides a holistic approach to healing, growth, and betterment of military veterans, active duty, and first responders. The Rising Warrior helps warriors go from surviving to thriving in all aspects of their lives. And John is also the co-host of The Rising Warrior podcast. Uh, back in episode 10, we talked about we talked with Lance, who's my husband, and, and Sean Lazio about their work with The Rising Warrior. And so, John, we're excited to be talking with you today about how um, you're continuing to take pirates from the Navy. So welcome. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. I love so, that. Continue to take pirates <laughs> from the Navy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We blew Sean's mind with that. Oh, cry. Blew Sean's mind with that when we talked with him a while back. So we'd love for you to take us on a journey and tell us the story of how you got to where you are today. So lead us, tell us about your pirate journey. Cool. I will lead you down a journey um, of multiple countries and <laughs> uh, big changes. Um, so I was, I'll start. Early, I'll start when I, I was born in Puerto Rico uh, in 1991, um, and I moved to the U.S. in 2003 uh, under pretty difficult like financial circumstances. My family had been, uh, my dad had been sued. We'd sold all our stuff. It was a really difficult uh, trial. It was like a year long, and he was eventually acquitted um, and found not guilty. But the whole process kind of upturned so many things for us. Um, and my family had originally wanted to move to the States, but this really like accelerated everything. And so we moved and um, we were, you know, homeless pretty much right when we got here. We lived in a friend, my dad's friend's basement up in Massachusetts uh, in the wintertime. So it was, it was a tough beginning um, early on. And, and that, and that time, uh, it was like a massive shift for us just being in, in a new country and Although Puerto Rico is a territory of the U.S., as a lot of people may know, it's a totally different reality, totally different culture. So moved here, um, changed a ton, and throughout my time in the in schools, uh, towards the end of my time in high school, I, I stumbled upon a my senior year in high school. I didn't know what I wanted to do exactly. I didn't know what I wanted to pursue, and I ended up um, 
um, going to a college fair for uh, minority students in my high school, and I came across a guy wearing a nice white at the time. I called it a suit, but it was his uniform. Um, he was a Navy guy, and he introduced me to the Naval Academy, um, and that opened up a whole new world I wasn't expecting back then. Um, talked about things like honor and courage and commitment and all these ideals of leadership that I literally, truly in my life had never heard other than in the history books that I used to read. Um, so I took that journey, uh, went to prep school for them in, in Rhode Island for a year. Then I went to the Naval Academy for four years, um, during which, uh, you know, big school, or, but it's not that big of a school, but it's a big name school, um, prep preparing to lead people in the military. And then again, a huge paradigm shift uh, in terms of like what I was going to do in the world. Decided to join the Marine Corps from there. Um, and uh, this is all the anti-pirate section, by the way. This is like the conformist part of the part of the game here, um, being in, in very much the man. Um, and so I was in the military and I was very like rigid at the time. I was very, if anybody who knows you back then, I was very... Um, yeah, I was very into it. So I, I got in the Marine Corps and did that training. I was stationed out in 29 Palms, California uh, at a LAR unit. So this is basically like military reconnaissance. It was great. And uh, it was difficult. Uh, it was a hard unit to be a part of, uh, especially we, we actually, when I commissioned in 2014, there wasn't, we had just pulled out most of our troops of Afghanistan. So I didn't experience any combat myself. And I was stateside the whole time. Uh, just partly due to my unit, just just roll the dice. That's what happened. Um, but we worked really hard. We prepared a lot. And as I go into the military, um, there's a huge opening of, again, a whole new paradigm of there's a version of the military that's sold to you while you're at the Naval Academy and then the version that's real in real time. And they are very, very different, very rose-colored and kind of high and mighty while you're in school. And then when you're out in the world leading Marines, it's a totally different experience. You get to see behind behind the curtain. Um, great experience. I'm really thankful for it. It pushed me to my edges and um, uh, the pirate stuff started later on in my, in my journey there. I was, I was quite depressed. Um, first, you know, pretty isolated out there in the desert, basically doing the same thing over and over again, working really hard, not going anywhere or doing anything new. Um, and then at the same time, just my own kind of internal turmoil of, do I really want to be doing this? Do I want to be part of the military? Is this what I signed up for? All the things that I'm, I'm sure many of us have had, and many vets have had questions about that before or after get out of the military. Um, decided to that I wanted to get out of the military, and I, um, my first kind of pirate act was taking a, a hero's dose of mushrooms out in Joshua Tree while I was still in uniform, which is <laughs> a tricky little thing to do at the end. Uh, it's about a year out, and... Um, I didn't have a guide. It was like a guy, a friend, and we went out, and it's way too much. And I and I realized I was very – what I drew from it was that I was really alienated from myself. Um, and I saw myself – it was like a dark uh, experience, and I actually saw myself really separated from myself and distant. So that, that changed the whole paradigm for me because it saw – it opened up a realm first of consciousness that I didn't even, wasn't even aware of. I was like, this can't be real. This is crazy. And then at the same time, it opened up this, that feeling of alienation was like really, really palpable. And so that last year was a challenging one, a difficult one, and one that I was, I was ready to get the fuck out of there. Um, I ended up uh, selling all my stuff, 
uh, did an internship in New York City for uh, about three months at a newspaper at a Huff Post, which is one of the most insanely different things to the Marine Corps ever. <laughs> um, had a great experience there, learned a ton about the media. I decided I didn't want to do that anymore. And so my, my, I just went traveling, went to Europe and I traveled for three months, backpacked. I like to do kind of a vagabondy style where I go for like seven to 10 days at each place, just hang out and get to know it really well. Um, and that's when the, like, uh, the, the questions of meaning and purpose for me really got bad, really got strong is when I was finally free of it. And now all of a sudden I don't have any like anchor anywhere. It's the first time I'd really didn't have anything just to anchor me anywhere. Um, which in hindsight I find to be a gift, but, uh, back then it was tough. It was a hard thing to, to, to be challenged with. And so, but I continued on with my travels. Um, on a whim, again, another pirate thing, I was like, you know, I've always wanted to learn how to play guitar. Um, and I've had a guitar for a while, but I never really got into it that much. And so I packed my bags and moved to Austin, Texas, um, which I'd only been to once. I didn't much, know much about, but I had a buddy who lived there. So we moved in together uh, with another roommate. And then I literally went, learned guitar and started coaching lacrosse uh, in, at high school in the city. Um, did that until COVID hit. And then... Um, moved to D.C. later on, uh, worked in corporate. Uh, so this is the non-pirate stuff. <laughs> I got back. I sort of took the – got spooked by COVID and got got, got uh, scared of what was going to happen. I decided to take kind of a uh, well-trodden path with a lot of military vets, especially officers take, go into consulting. Did that for about a year. And then in the meantime, I went to a program that you guys – I know Kristen has done and Lance as well, the training camp for the soul. And that was really the breakthrough for me, like the huge, the biggest, um, most impactful program that I have ever taken that really changed my trajectory completely. So I, I really typed into why I was feeling stuck at the time. And um, it changed my whole transition to to tr deeper trust in myself, much more guided by my intuition, less shame about the things that I want to do and really desire in my heart. Um, and it's really what opened up a huge, even bigger space for me to to explore um, and without fear or shame. And so that has really blossomed into uh, the work that Lance and I are doing with The Rising Warrior. And um, that is how I find myself today as a semi-pirate. <laughs> Only semi-pirate? Semi-pirate, yeah. <laughs> I pirate in, I pirate in, but I'm not a, I'm not a like wave the flag type of pirate. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> You don't have your flag yet. That's mm -hmm. what we need. Okay. <laughs> Gotta get a flag. All right. We'll get you a flag. <laughs> I'm, I'm wondering, like, as someone that's never been in the military, you said that, like, the reality wasn't, didn't equal what was in the brochure. Um, yeah. And I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about what you had thought you were going into, getting into versus what the uh, reality was. Mm. Great question. Uh, it's a big one. I'd say the first thing that came to mind as you were asking that was that um, the ideal of leadership that you're taught in in training or even for us, it's a little different because you have a you know, four year school where you're reading about all the great leaders in the military and you're being groomed to be, uh, you know, a professional officer. That's your whole career. Um, it, the ideal doesn't live up to the reality. Um, and by that, I mean. This, I mean, I'll, I'll use one as an example. Doing the right thing 
even when no one is looking. That is what people used to say to us that was integrity. That's how they define integrity. And one of the things that you start to realize as you're in the military is there's no exact right thing because it varies on the situation. It varies on the perspective. And when you start getting into the nitty gritty of how the actual like bureaucracy of the machinery works, if you try to do the right thing by the, by the institution, then you let down your Marines or the people you work with and vice versa. And so you're always stuck between a rock and a hard place between doing the right thing when there is no right thing. So you have to decide, um, it, it could, it puts you in a compromising position, no matter which decision you make. And if you if you, if you don't, uh, find that to be accurate, or at least you're not seeing that, then you're completely blind. You're like partly, uh, uh, what's it called? Cognitive dissonance. Cause you're kind of just in your lane. Um, and the, the, the blessing and the curse of being an officer was that you, especially I was in a staff, so I ran, I ran the logistics for my battalion, is that you get to see how the money works. You get to see how the parts get, get uh, resourced. You get to see how things get fixed. You get to see how deals get made, how deployment units get deployed. So you start to see like how the larger strategy of how things work. And then you also understand the micro of like, you know, a 19 year old Marine of mine who, who drives the truck that, that we're doing a patrol in. So you, you start to see the difference between what that guy thinks and what, how he rides in his truck and the pride that he feels in his job and what he cares about. And then the distance between what's actually happening in terms of like how the thing works. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's a, it's an example of how there's a separation between it. Um, what's actually happening versus what we idealize would be happening. I mean, now that I know a little bit more about marketing, you start to realize how much of it is just really great marketing. You're like, oh, wow, <laughs> heroes. And there's there's bad guys, there's good guys, and we're just fucking killing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that, that makes it a lot more obvious now. Mm-hmm. Thinking about the marketing from back when Lance was in the Army. First off, I know the Army has changed its motto a, several times. Have other have the Marines changed their motto along so just the army likes to do that. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. Okay. The few that proud the Marines, I don't think okay. they've ever really changed it. So, as far as I know. Yeah. So one thing I, I thought was funny while Lance was in the um army was that it had it had changed a couple of times. I don't remember what it was for most of the growing up of my life was when I'd see it on the army, um, mm-hmm. see the ads. It might have just been like go army or something. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> they changed it around the time I was in high school and then changed it again while Lance was um on his last deployment. And on his last deployment it was Army of One. And I was like, right. Army of One? Like what what kind of <laughs> teams team is this? Like that sounds like some one. <laughs> staffing shortages. <laughs> like, <laughs> There's not enough people, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. But yeah, like the in order to get people to want to come in, they would change the the motto for it too. And but I remember with that one being like, what in the world? Like, why would you want to be an army of one? Like, isn't this something yeah. you're going in for the camaraderie and all that? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think it, it, it shows you I mean, there's layers and layers to this. Like, you know, there's partly it's it's uh if you just look at it as like geopolitically, like we need the country needs an army, the army needs soldiers, the soldiers are usually young men who are working class and they're driven by, you know, a lot of us by ideals of patriotism, of service, of sacrifice, of heroism. And so 
the the messaging will change depending on like what that time and place needs in order for people to bring in. I mean, it's, it's, it's yeah, what I've been saying a lot lately is uh, it's, there's all of it exists at once. Like you, you can be, you can feel heroic in the work that you're doing and you can be exploited by a system that's trying to get more people into it, <laughs> you know, when, when there's a time of war or whatever. So it's both of those things are real. Um, so I, it helps it helps people when we have conversations around sensitive topics like that with people how much of it is like brought on just by like poverty and having education paid for um i mean i oh for sure as as a canadian hearing a lot of conversation in the states about like you know uh, more affordable um uh, education like post-secondary education a lot of the the comments I see is that people won't then join the military because that's how you get schooling paid for, which sounds like a terrible reason to like join the military. If that yeah, makes sense. that's another thing. Yeah, I know you're absolutely right. I mean, that's why I joined. Um, well, that was part of the reason I joined. I was, you know, I didn't, I was a smart kid and I had some opportunities, but it was nothing going to match like what I was going to get in the military. It's certainly not at the Naval Academy, four years of college education, mm -hmm. all paid. And then, well, <laughs> it's paid for, but you have to serve five years. So you're like, oh, it's not really paid for. You pay with your time. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it, it, that's huge. It's a huge reason why people do it. It's a huge reason beyond even the, you know, if you mix that with like the idea of doing something for your country or, or, or you know, kind of that messaging of it it creates like a lot of, uh, it creates a pull in people to want to serve and also to take care of themselves. Uh, because a lot of us came from difficult homes and difficult backgrounds and, and experiences that aren't uh, clean. And you'll find that for a lot of the people that we're working with now that um, they, the military became the pressure cooker that intensified their trauma, not the other way around. It, it may have created some new events like PTSD out in war or, or, some of those things. Um, and uh, a lot of that started when they were young. Um, mm -hmm. So I think to, to your point, yeah, having that as a opportunity. And, it, you know, I used to see that as, as something exploitative, like it, it was evil to me, something that I felt really, it hurt me to think about that I, I was that kid. Mm -hmm. um, and at the same time, in that place where I was, I, I, remember exactly how I felt. And I was like, I'm actually really thankful that this exists because even though on the other side of this, it may be a huge risk for me. I don't know what else I'd be doing if I wasn't doing this. So like, again, can those two things fit at the same time? That's mm -hmm. how I like to look at it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you spent the, spent all that time in the military came out and um, now you're taking military and first responders and you're teaching them some pirate ways minus the pirate mm. flag. So <laughs> I gotta get my flag. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Um, with, with what you're doing now with the first responders and veterans, would, would you share a little for us what you're doing and what that looks like? Yeah, for sure. Um, so for first responders right now, what we're working with is, is creating workshops for, um, building resilience. And, and I, I think for us, what that means is the capacity to endure the difficulties of the job, like the, the traumas of seeing fires and doing all these kind of intense things that, that uh, we ask first responders to do all the time. Um, the difference between a first responder and a vet in many ways, or at least in this area, is 
when you're in the military, you go out there, you do your thing, you come back from your deployment, like you can kind of, there's a rest period. And although you, there's still healing that happens afterwards, you are resting for a first responder. The, the, the traumatic events continue to happen over and over and over again. And, and it's not necessarily something that happened to you. It could have been something you witnessed. Um, it often is just something you've seen some traumatic event. Um, and so for them, we run to build these workshops to help them uh, understand what trauma is, uh, give them some tools to act like real proactive tools that they can use to support them after before events and things that um yeah it's kind of taking a personal development angle to uh a community that's mostly reactive in the way that they are serviced so there's a lot of mental health resources but they're like hey go talk to this uh therapist psychotherapist after you after you've had an event or if you're freaking out quote unquote or if something's wrong in your life and hey there's we, we we've realized that there's a bunch of dimensions to that like if you haven't prepared yourself for that difficult job then you're going to just build tension 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 trauma over your career mm-hmm. and then it's going to be really difficult uh, the effects that are going to be the both the physical and psychological effects uh which by the way are connected uh there's no such thing as a separate thing um so for them, that's what we want to do and, and allow them to create that resilience within themselves. And then for veterans, it's really more about the transition. So post-transition, and that can mean anywhere from six months you got out to 20 years you got out. It doesn't really matter what the timeline it is. Are you still struggling with you know um, meaning and purpose? Are you still disconnected from yourself? Are you drinking a bunch? Are you unable to communicate with your family and friends, like all these little markers um, that keeps people separated from living their fullest expression, their fullest life. Uh, Yeah. In that survival state, we want to help them actually go into a state of thriving where they understand their patterns. They understand how they've shown up. And a lot of that is the same thing we teach um, uh, first responders is just at a deeper level. So that usually when you're running across you know, as I found in my own life, when you're running across, he's like, what is my purpose? What am I doing? Uh, you've been externalizing your purpose your whole life. You don't know, actually know what meaning means. You haven't really identified what the source of these patterns are. And so it's a great opportunity um, to to get support around that and coaching, which is, again, something in the veteran community that doesn't really exist. Um, there's a couple of us, little pockets that are doing it. And I think um, it's it's... I believe it's going to become a bigger thing and a much more, much more decentralized thing. Yeah, I like that you have something like separate for first responders because when mm-hmm. we talked to um, Lance and Sean the first time, like we talked about the fact, like I used to be a police officer, and um, you know, I, I mean, in terms of like rest, like I don't do it anymore, so I have that rest. <laughs> um, yeah. But I found that you know they were the police service I was in was good at like providing support around specific incidents. Mm, Yeah. Um, But you're right. It's the day to day because every day is some sort of incident. right? Mm -hmm. Um, And those things really weighed on you. What I saw um, in the police services I was in was, yeah, a lot of people coped with alcohol, a lot of Mm -hmm. failed relationships and marriages. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Just a lot of behavior that looking at it now is definitely not what I would consider healthy behavior mm-hmm. um, as ways of like coping for what you know what you're going through and what you're seeing like you said mm-hmm. you, you don't necessarily have to be involved but you see some shit that 
most people don't see in their day-to-day lives even once never mind like on a you know shift by shift basis so um so that's really awesome that you guys are working with like this building resilience and so what is the um when you say like building resilience um for those first responders what kind of things are you uh, what kind of tools are you trying to provide them yeah yeah i know you guys are huge into these but we want to use some language tools for communication you talked a little bit about relationships like uh you know what does it mean to hold presence for someone else um what does it mean to uh, as you're describing someone else's situation not assuming what they mean and, and saying well hey i imagine that this is what you're feeling can you speak more on that mm-hmm. um so having those uh, communication tools are huge because it both helps you on the job and it helps you with your family. So if you're able to communicate with somebody who's in an intense situation, they don't know what's happening and you can actually settle the situation, clearly communicate and get what you need out of that um, environment as well as, you know, soothe whatever's going on in that, in that situation, you can really change the paradigm of how it is. Mm -hmm. Um, We want to teach people actually how to move as well. Uh, This is part of, part of the workshop as well as, um teaching people that breath and movement is deeply connected to our psychological state and so when you're in a highly upregulated state you tend to literally tense up your body and for those of you who are first responders if you have a lot of low back problems you might just not be breathing um, among (laughs) other things (laughs) and so teaching people like the absolute super simple uh basics of breath and we're not talking about breath work in the upregulating sense, like the, the performance sense, we're talking about the, the down regulating, like how do I bring my system down from that upregulated state of like seeing a trauma event or getting in a shootout or being in a fire or whatever it is. And then um, the actual tools to know if you have a traumatic event and your body's storing that trauma, how do you release that trauma in the body? What does that look like? What is in, what even is it? And can you be okay? Uh, reliving uh, those experiences which we, a lot of us will through dreams or or things will happen something triggers you you're in the you're, I, i've talked to buddies who are like they're in a store and all of a sudden somebody like whatever brings a cart in front of their cart and then they freak out and so how do you actually deal with that particular situation how do you down regulate what's going on can you separate the story from the actual experience and so mm-hmm. We, uh, we want to give out those tools in the most simplest form possible so they're able to use them in real time in their lives. Like for vet, veterans and, and first responders both, they, they could likely have some like big traumas. Like I saw a horrific event and I'm guessing for a fair amount of people though too, it's compound traumas that they mm-hmm. don't even realize are happening, like a stressful situation followed by another stressful situation followed by uh, yeah, something argument at home. Yeah. 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 (laughs) So, um, yeah. So with that, the comp and I, I have had plenty of compound (laughs) with small T traumas build up, um, teaching world. I, there are a lot more parallels between teaching and what first responders and (laughs) like military Mm -hmm. do than I feel like should be, (laughs) should be the case, but (laughs) my mom's a teacher. Yeah, I know. Yeah, but yeah, like a lot of that, that buildup. So how, because dealing with the the bigger traumas, like people realize that's something I should deal with. So what are some tools that you, you recommend to people to handle the 
compound ones so that they don't compound upon each other, but you can deal with them in the moment to move forward? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. Um, well, the, the, the truth of that, the answer to that question is that you have to relive it in some ways. Um, you have to get to the root of what that trauma is um, because what's often happening is that you are creating the compounding yourself by reliving the experience. And so by getting to the root of what the trauma is in your life, and it's usually something that happened in your childhood, we can start diving in a little bit deeper into releasing that trauma. And so you're going to hold tension in your body that you, you don't even realize uh, that is happening. And what I mean by that is um, this is part of like the somatic experience that we teach people how to actually uh, um, target where in their body they feel that thing, especially when they're going through a memory of it. So if you can tap into this, whatever the memory is coming up for you, and it will support you through a meditative process where you identify that, where is it in the body? And let's label it or let's let's call it something. What does that look like in your body? Can you Can you separate the memory, the thing that you're thinking about from the sensation you're feeling? And then from there, can we just put that story to the side and just feel that sensation, however uncomfortable it might be? So we create a ton of safety around that. We let you be in that experience. And then as you move through that experience, what is available at the end of that? Like, do you feel lighter? Do you feel more connected? Is it possible that this is something that could change for you? Um, and so it's about being truly open and courageous in the, in the finding the root of it and then just having grace and for most of first responders and vets softness i know that's not a popular word out there but softening to to actually just allowing and open up that space for you now follow up um <laughs> with a, a lot of um what i my opinion is on why like with first responders why they are having so much stuff going on that's not dealt with is because when the traumatic the bigger traumatic events happen and they're told to go to like the therapist or psychologist mm -hmm. um a lot of times i believe they're not willing to share because they're afraid of what might happen mm -hmm. with their job so yeah. um with what you guys are doing um how how are you changing that so that they can have like that space to properly get in and deal with the trauma without that fear of like, I could lose my job if I say I'm actually scared to pick up a gun and go to work the next day or yeah, go into that burning fire. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like I mean, it, it really begins with uh, a great deal of vulnerability amongst the people who've already gone through a transformation of their own or they've experienced that being open has actually opened space for them in their lives. So um, this is a little bit of a calling to those that are, uh, who have done that for themselves, who had gone through either their personal development or, or therapy. Like the more you share, uh, the more it opens up other space for other people to share and for to heal. Um, and that doesn't mean you have to stand in front of a stage and be like, open your heart. But it does mean that, um, opening that uh, channel of communication and and changing the narrative around uh, trauma and difficult situations on the job and saying like, hey, we have acknowledged that this is a difficult experience as a human. Can we be okay that when you have a traumatic event, everyone looks and goes, 
hey man, are you good? You need a couple of minutes. You need a day. You need two days. Like seriously, go take a bath. Like <laughs> relax, enjoy yourself. Let off a little bit of steam, and not by drinking. Like actually by taking care of yourself. Drinking is going to do the complete opposite. It's just going to suppress it. And so changing the narrative, and a lot of it's going to happen at the leadership level. Um, a lot of it's going to happen at at the level of like small firehouses, uh, you know, police um, um, departments. Like if your team, if you're the guy who's like open and vulnerable and has gone through that, being able to share it and be like, hey, man, honestly, I'm going to like a business. I'm going to show you the benefits of these things. I'm going to say, I'm going to tell you, my my sex is better my relationship is better my breathing is better i've lost weight all these different things so you can actually share what is possible for them if they're open to it and i think that is a huge thing that being in business has taught me like show people what's possible beyond just um you know being soft for the sake of being soft like how you started with the sex is better too. Get their attention. <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think one of the interesting things like when when I had gone through some traumatic events, one of the tools that uh, we used in my police department was um, peer peer counseling. So yeah. it wasn't um, it wasn't like psychiatrists or whatever that or counselors that we were talking to. It was other police officers that yeah. had training and um, I guess volunteered or joined the the peer counseling group, so that it was like people like yourselves that had been through situations, similar, similar situations, or, or knew the job, knew the life, um, and all the demands of it. Um, mm -hmm. And having your peers tell you or give you that permission to be open and vulnerable mm -hmm. is very different from Dr. Smith, that I've never met before, yeah. doesn't know what I have to go and do this afternoon when I get onto shift, right? Um, yeah, for sure. So I think carrying that on to like the work that you guys are doing, like you guys have been there and, and lived it. Right. So mm -hmm. it's that shared experience also, and that understanding, I think is also helpful when forming connections uh, and to allow yeah. people to be open and vulnerable. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love that you brought the peer support that those are actually the, the leaders that we're working with to set up these programs and these workshops because, um, again we found that those are the people who know what works and what doesn't mm -hmm. and even what they have is limited in scope because they can't dedicate a ton of resources to it they've got their full-time job so there's no full-time peer support person it's just a guy who's in the firehouse who's, who's volunteering to run this thing and with other firefighters so mm -hmm. um i i think you're, you're exactly right like hey man i've been in your shoes brother like put the beer down come hang let's let's go for a walk let's 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 go for a swim like let's hang out in a different way and let's have a conversation about what went down and see if i can support you there uh, mm -hmm. it definitely helps to see somebody who's been in your shoes and who has gone through that change that, that's a huge huge thing um so with the work that you guys are doing what is the social rebellion that you guys have started social rebellion mm -hmm. um i think for me what that means is just a whole new model for for how we we interface, how we help veterans and first responders start a journey to healing. Um, and I, I think there's a lot of people who are really, they have really big hearts and they want to support vets and first responders. And there's a lot of um, uh, funding for nonprofits. There's a lot of different things out there. And 
uh, what I've found is that it's a personal journey that every person must take if they're if they want to actually heal the thing. So like if someone stands in front of you and gives you a class for eight hours about trauma, you're gonna be like, all right, cool, whatever, man. Like I, it doesn't do anything for me. Um, so it's a, it's for me what I see is a future where there are a bunch of rising warriors out there that are doing um, work to actually help people work through these things. And I found the most effective way to be coaching because I can teach you the information, but I, that's not necessarily the most important thing. The most important thing is to actually guide you through this process. Like, kind of like you said about having somebody who's been through it, who can walk you through those steps. Like, hey man, I've been in that place. Here's a little reframe to help you move on to the next thing. Here's, I see you, I can see you in this difficulty you're, you're having. And like, I honor you and I respect you for that and for your courage to, to move through it and support yourself. Um, and so I think that is what I see. It's, it's a new, totally new way to teach people how to thrive in the first responder community is actually how to take, you know, take the stigma out of being open and, and loving to yourself. And mm -hmm. in the veteran community, it's much more about how do I supporting veterans in a really authentic, uh, and heart centered way that enables them to actually thrive, uh, in their lives after service, because, uh, there's a lot of cool resources out there. And what, I, what I've found is that there's, there's a point at which community isn't quite what you need anymore. There's a point at which um, kind of passive support isn't quite what you need anymore. You need to get to the point where it's like, okay, this is my journey. I need to do some, some breakthrough healing here in order for me to actually enjoy these things. Because right now I can't enjoy these free resources that are out there. I need to invest and myself to get to the next level. So I, I, it's, that's what I see out there. A bunch of little companies and organizations that are doing, doing work for smaller groups. I, along the parallel lines again of with teaching, I was just having a conversation recently with someone about if in schools, like kids are being taught how to be not be independent, but like being taught the emotional things and being taught how to become more individual and make decisions on their own as they're growing older. And that I didn't think about this until more like today, <laughs> it popped in my head, but you need, people aren't able to teach these things because they don't know it themselves. So in mm -hmm. order like to say, to pass right. it on to, mm -hmm. to kids, you need adults that know how to do these mm -hmm. things themselves. So same with with what you guys are doing, like expecting first responders or veterans to learn how to do this on their own. It, it's not going to work unless they have somebody showing them who's already been there ahead. So yeah, it's great that you're there as well being like, Hey, we've been there. We're leading the way. Um, and let allow us, I mean, that those self-help books and those, um, things you're reading only go so far until you're able to apply it into your life and hi, I can help you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. To help you gain context. And also like the great part about coaching is that it's not just you go past the level of like book reading and podcast mm -hmm. listening. You go to the level of like applying it to your life. Like that's kind of where it gets messy. You're not sure what to do. And then you have a guide who's been there who's like, oh, actually, in that particular situation, here's some reframes. Here's an idea. Try this. What are you able to do here? And then, you know, a lot of it isn't even active it's asking you questions about where you're actually getting yourself stuck um, and so it's in many ways it's very individualized and personalized and what's great about that is it just enables you to go like i you don't need me to empower you you are already empowered like it's a decision you can make 
if you if you choose to do so. So all I am is a guide. I'm a mountain guide, and I go, hey, that's where we're going. Are you are you ready? And they're like, all right, cool, let's do it. Mm -hmm. Do you find that that is a barrier though, having um, you know veterans and first responders to even ask for help? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. Yeah, it's 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 a challenge. And what I've found that for me is that it makes me a better uh, student of the game and a better coach and a better facilitator because it 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 literally makes me go, okay, how do I say this in a way that allows them to be a little bit more open? And so it what's really interesting about it is that they're not. Uh, in the beginning, they're kind of like uh, apprehensive, like, oh, I'm not sure about this guy. I don't know what the hell he's talking about. He's going on walks and talking about loving yourself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so those walks. <laughs> as, you, as you get the opportunity to share a bit more in layers, people can kind of digest it just a little bit deeper and more. So uh, there's a long lead of uh, people trusting you. So they first know you, like you, and trust you. And I think the trust area takes some time because uh, it's like a, a, a spurned wife or, or a partner. Like you, you need a lot of like soft kind of like, Hey, it's okay. No worries. I'm here. I'm just here to support um, until people are ready for it, which is again, very surprising for door kickers and badass people who are mm -hmm. trying to, you know, do all this cool shit. Um, and at the same time, it's totally understandable. I definitely was in those shoes. It took me a while. Mm hmm Going on those stupid walks for your stupid mental health. <laughs> <Mark>. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I feel like going for walks and loving ourselves is just like the perfect summation of what we do. <laughs> like, like, yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah, go for a walk and love yourself. Yeah, I was I was thinking about that the other day. I went for a walk and was loving myself, and I <laughs> I realized like. Um, most of what is blocking us from enjoying that walk and really being present with it is all the stuff that we just talked about, all the trauma, all the, all, you know, the acute trauma and also like the compounded trauma that you guys were talking about. Like you, there's so many things you haven't dealt with yet that are keeping you in these loops of stories of danger over here. Like, Oh my God, there's danger that way. And you're, you're constantly on alert. So you're like in a little bubble of, of self-protection and you can't actually like, bring your head out and breathe and say like, Oh my God, it's 65 degrees. What a fucking great day. Um, I think that is what's hindering us from, from actually experiencing it. And you know, you can, you can, you can, you can hide that in all manner of like ways of being badass in the world, you know, but at the end of the day, you're the one who, who sleeps with you, dines with you, eats with you, moves with you. It's just you. So if you, if you want to stop wearing a mask and actually enjoy your day, I recommend you go for a walk and love yourself. <laughs> Figuratively. Oh. Figuratively. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Go for literal yeah. walk. Figuratively literal love yourself. Walk. Yeah. No figurative walks. <laughs> I mean, you can do it. Get your mind out of the gutter, people. <laughs> <laughs> I was just picturing myself walking through my neighborhood and loving myself. And I'm like, that's not going to work. <laughs> yeah. Maybe if you're in the forest. In the forest. Mm, in the forest. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. National <laughs> park. 
We actually had a conversation with, um, I think it's a, the last one we had with Ruslana where she talked about literally going into nature and um, she found the perfect rock and she loved herself in nature. And she's like, I recommend it for everybody. Mm-hmm. She had a very oh, secluded awesome. spot. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. It was not the neighborhood. I can't say I've done that. That's awesome. <laughs> How could I forget that? That was just last week we said. I know. Yeah. Um, Perfect. Um, Mm -hmm. Well, we talk a lot on here about um, creating good trouble. Mm -hmm. Uh, What does good trouble mean to you, and how are you uh, creating it in the world? Mm, Good trouble. I love that term. Um, Good trouble to me is rule breaking for an authentic reason that actually leads you or other people to living better lives. Um, and here's the thing, like (laughs) the way I see it, there's a ton of rules that are completely fabricated. Um, they don't, they don't, many of them are outdated. Many of them don't make any sense. Many of them are conflicting. Many of them are uh, counterintuitive. They're not at all (laughs) useful. Uh, and so creating good trouble, the first is about, can you be grounded in yourself and, and say like, Hey, it's okay. If some people don't like me, or if somebody thinks I'm bad because I do these things, um, have a deep sense of confidence and trust in yourself to be able to create some good trouble. And in my mind, creating that good trouble is about calling bullshit and being like, Hey, uh, I think you're full of shit. Um, it's great. You you can have your own experience, no no problem. And I'm gonna create some boundaries. Like this is what I'm willing to accept, and this is what I would like to do in the world. Um, and in in institutions that that can be really loud, or it can be really quiet. Like you don't have to be like a guy standing with a pirate flag waving it across. It could just be in your experience with your little team and your family, whatever it is. Um, and I think that good trouble idea is really cool because it just lets you go like, ah. Uh, Nah, you're, you're kind of full of shit. I'm going to go do my thing over here. Gives you an opportunity to fuck off a little bit. <laughs> you reminded me of a question when you, um, now I can't remember exactly how you said it, but it, you reminded me of a question that I'd had um, from this game that some friends were, it was an intimacy game or something. I had questions mm. and you asked people. I played that game. Yeah. Yeah. There's, mm-hmm. there's a question in there that was a really, like, it was a really good one that was like, when you are living out of, of alignment with what you're saying, what, how, how would you like somebody to let you know, um, mm-hmm. to broach that? And so it was an interesting question too. Okay. Oh, you said calling you, calling people out on their shit and like, yeah. yeah, like that was an interesting question. Like, how would you in a, like me to call you out when I see you out of alignment? So, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, that's a great, I think I would answer that as like, Hey, I love you very much more than what I'm about to say, but I think what you just said is kind of full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, take the soft talk out is full of shit. Um, it gives give you an opportunity to be like, Hey man, I love you. And you said, these are the things and you're not living that thing. So mm-hmm. which, which one is it? Um, and honestly, a lot of times you don't even realize you're like, Oh my God. Yeah, I am. I am completely off the mark here. I'm not at all living in integrity with what I said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. When I heard that question for me, I was like, um, I was like, Oh, call me out on it. And then I was thinking about it as I heard some other people answer it and they're like, lovingly pull me aside, say these things to me. <laughs> and I was like, 
No, I stand by that. Call me out on it. Like, please, like, <laughs> I probably will just look at you and like put up a wall and be like, Mm-mm, but it will sink. It will sink in. And I might yeah, like, it'll I sit may not argue, back here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. but if you just come in there, like, yeah, this is, this is what I noticed <laughs> and lovingly is good, but also like mm-hmm. call me out. So, yeah, yeah. I think that's a really great practice with people you love and trust in your inner circle. I don't, I don't know that it's anybody coming up to you calling you out it's like it's i'm not going to listen to you just because you're some guy um but yeah having somebody in your inner circle that's useful until the Mm -hmm. point at which i think when you've been practiced enough and when you've had enough development and and really when you when you're truly attentive to your thoughts and your actions and your patterns uh can you recognize those things within yourself like i Mm -hmm. just did something that was out of integrity for me hmm let me go back to it is it because i hold a belief that's kind of outdated and I haven't really reached, you know, created new ones around that? Or is it uh, because I'm scared? It's because I'm ashamed. So you start digging a little deeper. So I, I think the best call out is from yourself. Mm-hmm. And then the next best is going to be from when you're in that beginning of that process as your, mm-hmm. you know, close friends and family. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of call out, I think we had this on the past episode where we're talking about instead of call out call forward because calling out yeah. you look at the language of it is more like somebody pointing the finger and being like this is how you did this wrong but calling forward is more gentle yeah. so yeah can you call yourself forward <laughs> yeah i do actually really do love that yeah i remember the first time i heard that i was like oh it's lame yeah but that, the more the more i've used it the more i've realized that some of a lot of language we use to to call people out or, 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 any, or something around that line is based in um, uh, being led by others or, or uh, like, like um, what's the word I want to use? Um, uh, dominance structures, like where someone is leading and someone is a follower. And in that system, there's always somebody who's calling you out mm-hmm. or like telling you what to do. This is very much in the military, like the hierarchy stuff. Like, oh, you're fucked up, Marine. Like, your haircut's fucked up or whatever it is. Uh, it it only works in those situations. So when you're out of that paradigm of, like, needing to see people to call you out all the time, calling you forward actually is a really useful thing to say. Mm-hmm. Like, I actually want you to be better. I, I love you, and I want you to be better. Not, hey, piece of shit, go do this. Mm-hmm. Which is, by the <laughs> way, this is a real thing that happened in the military constantly. So- being like a piece of shit go do this absolutely yeah all the time yeah this is the thing they don't put on the billboards <laughs> yeah your senior enlisted leaders are going to call your shit call you a piece of shit sometimes which is funny because you know you go into boot camp and you're going to be degraded for the whole entire time so it's funny that you have the thought yeah. that it'll be any different on the other side yeah the uh <laughs> the degrading transformation sometimes yeah part of part of the part of the in, in Part of the coming into the military, for sure. <laughs> well, I, it's a mindset I will never fully understand. So <laughs> I'm glad no, you're able yeah, to people. <laughs> I'm trying to, yeah, yeah, I know. It's, yeah, th- this is one of the things that when you get out of the military, you look back and you go, man, we really got shit on a lot. Like constantly, from the day you start, you're getting shit on. And I have shit on people. <laughs> I have been that person in training, like, you know, training younger guys and, that was right and true for us back then. It's like, you need to toughen up. And uh, I mean, it works to a degree, but it doesn't work for making happy and healthy human beings. It works in the sense that 
you become a rule follower and you get scared all the time and you're followed by shame and fear and guilt all the time. Um, so <laughs> when you're creating an army, I guess that makes sense. But when you're actually trying yeah. to be a human in the world, that doesn't make a ton of sense. Yeah. I wonder if that is like, that's how you build the army because hundred percent. Yeah. Cause if you're thinking for yourself, um, just like, good. no, just like how we had a, um, there's a video of British troops being given LSD and they just wandered around and they, they started climbing trees. They didn't want mm -hmm. anything to do with their gun. It's nope. something like that, giving them, um, substance free, <laughs> not actual LSD, but free, free your mind. Yeah. Are yeah, I mean, I actually think going to want to go to war. You want to, you want to, you want to create the most effective rule followers when mm. you have people in the military. Um, and, you know, I, again, one of these things I used to see as evil or bad or wrong mm. when I was in it and sort of suffering because of it. Um, and now in hindsight, I can see, I, I see the utility of it in that system. And at the same time, like, it's not useful anymore, especially when you're out. And I think a lot of those patterns continue where you're, where you're, you're, you're not, there's no drill instructor in front of you anymore, but you're shaming yourself just like they would like, Oh fuck, I'm a piece of shit. Like, Oh fuck, I need to do this. I should mm -hmm. do that. I should shooting all over yourself. Um, and I, I believe that the real transition happens when you can shift out of that paradigm completely and go, Oh, that was a period of my life that for, for which those p things were useful. Like when you're in a firefight, you don't want to have a lot of individuality. You mm -hmm. want to have like f following rules and being able to think on the move or whatever. But when you're um, creating a life of your own, when you want to actually live out your dreams, that is literally the opposite of what's going to be helpful for that. Mm -hmm. So you talked, you told us some about the, the Rising Warrior and Building Resilience Workshop in your one-on-one. -on -one. Um, is there anything else you want to add to what you're up to? I think that's it. I, I, we'd like to build our one-on-one -on -one practice to go deep with, with individuals. And like I said earlier, it takes some time to build that rapport and that trust. And so we want to build out um, our one-on-one -on -one clients and, and show them like, Hey, I'm going to show you what's possible if you go on this journey with me. Um, and as we grow that, we'd love to create like group programs, uh, for small groups for veterans to, to join in and, and have this experience together because we found that it's even more transformative when there's three, four, five, six other people with you who, who are not necessarily in the same situation, but who can see you. I mean, I talked to a recent friend a friend who I gave a free coaching call to that when you see your, when you see another veteran, another man, especially and see them at their deepest vulnerability, just sitting in a room, watching them go into, uh, you know, a fetal position of, of softness because they're really dealing with deep trauma. You, an area it opens up for you as well. It creates this ability to be way more, empathetic and open and seeing people as individual uh, like humans who need support rather than like we're all vets uh trying to do badass shit in the world like yeah that's true and healing happens uh in 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 relation to others it is a it's not necessarily something that needs to be done out in the open but it, your capacity to be mirrored your behavior to be seen by both your coach, your facilitator, 
and then the people you're in it with creates a much deeper bond in my opinion than any kind of like boot camp thing ever would because that's like a we did something hard together and a true transformation of, of spirit and soul and, and and heart is more of a i saw you at your most like raw authentic vulnerable self that is a deeper connection mm-hmm. um and much a much more worthwhile one to my in my experience mm-hmm. i have an extra squeaky dog happening right now so i've been <laughs> on squeaky. i've been on mute She's is just, a bear <laughs> it is not fair it is daisy's being <laughs> oh, very <it's> squeaky <laughs> um sorry so i've been on mute i'm listening um, but what i want to ask is uh, where can our listeners go to find out more about you Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, so for me on Instagram is where you find me most of the time at John D Perez Cruz, um, and then for the Rising Warrior at the dot Rising dot Warrior um, on Instagram and Facebook, and then uh, the Rising Warrior dot com and the Rising Warrior podcast. <laughs> so um, right now we've got a mental health uh, veteran mental health check in that we created for, for everybody. Uh, if you're a first responder, you can absolutely use it, um, but it, it's meant for veterans. And, and really it's about the first layer of that experience is, can you first understand the thoughts that are running through your mind? Can you label them? Can you actually name them? Can you downregulate your body enough to actually go through an experience where you go, what is the thing that I'm dealing with right now? Dump all that, identify what's there for you, and then actually do something, take action from something that uncovered there. So veteran mental health check-in is available on our, and our link in our bio. So come go check it out if you're interested in, in going a little bit deeper. Yeah. I like that. I, it was a couple of years ago. I had like a triggering event from something mm. that happened like 15 years ago when I was in the police and uh, I was working with our friend, Ben Joy, that we've had on the podcast and, um, and he, uh, he was coaching me through. And that's one of the things that we went through was just notice and name, like mm-hmm. notice what was going on, name that. Um, and I found that that exercise to be really helpful. Um, when I was dealing with something from like, you talked about physical release, I was dealing some with like something in the moment with a very physical release of something that happened like 15 years ago because of one of those triggers. So mm-hmm. I love that you do use that same process and like, yeah, it's really helpful. Highly, highly recommended when you're going, <laughs> when you're going through the shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's the first layer, exactly. <laughs> and then if you're ready, you know, past that layer, come check us out, and we'll have a conversation about a little bit of one-on-one coaching. And with the rising warrior on Instagram too, I'm going to point out that the dots are very important in between the dot rising dot warrior, because if you put in something else, you're going to find somebody completely different. So dots are important. (laughs) If you want to find them, you put them in. Don't forget your periods. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So yeah, before, before we ask the last question, is there anything else that you want to talk about that we haven't touched on yet um i really just want to reiterate the point that Mm. the the transformation after transition from the military is not something you can intuit it's not something that you just like oh i I figured it out and i I, i'm now fine um it does require a guide and so I, i say that as a as a as a beckoning call to those of you who are are on the fence about that um it doesn't have to be the rising warrior, but I, I do I do recommend taking a journey, personal journey, 
a lot of people are experimenting with plant medicines and a lot of other things. And so um, make it a personal journey that you're going on for, for transformation and healing. Um, and, and be open to knowing that it's, it's messy. There's no end point. You're not going to get anywhere. The, the purpose is to uncover deeper and deeper layers and to kind of rid, rid yourself of as many illusions as you can possibly, uh, as you possibly can so that you can live a fuller, more, um, yeah, deeper, more connected life. And the Rising Warrior is a great place for that. <laughs> and if you want to come hang out with us, here's up. John and Lance are lots of fun. Sean, Sean's in Alaska right now, so you may, may or may not hear him from him. Yeah, yeah. And how would you recommend our listeners go about starting their own pirate life and taking uh, small, bold actions in their life? Yeah. Oh, that's a great question. Um, start your own inner revolution. Um, I, I think there's a lot of focus on even in the pirate life world of outer action and like being bold and I'm all about it. I'm all about planting the flag and that's fucking awesome. And, um, for me, the journey to doing that has been much more grounded and centered when I started my inner revolution to go, Hey, whatever's happening here is not leading me to the life that I desire. And I don't even really know what I deeply desire. So if you can start that journey and say, like, I'm not going to read any more podcasts or any more books, like I'm actually going to pay for something, go on a journey, join somebody, get a guide, experience something, give you that experience of, of starting that inner revolution so that you can actually, you can actually, yeah, uh, change your life. The, um, what is it? The hardest rules to break are your own and yep. the, um, what was the other one? There's it's from the Be More Pirate book. It's like the the hardest rules to break are your own. And then there's also another one about getting over yourself. <laughs> I forgot yeah. what the quote is. <laughs> yeah. 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 Start inward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I love love that sentiment. It just get lets you let go. Before you go out there, like like sit with yourself. Mm-hmm. What are you gonna do? Set an intention and then actually focus on the thing that you want once you've set that. And once you've actually created that space for yourself, that actually lets you plant a stronger flag when you actually stand for whatever it is that you're into. Once you have your, your flag that you want. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I need to get one. (laughs) Well, John, thanks. Um, Karan, did you have anything you were going to add? I was going to say thank you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The the squeaker in the background. (laughs) And before I said thanks, I wanted to make sure I wasn't wasn't anything else. Thank you guys. Mm -hmm. This is a great, awesome opportunity. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, subscribe and share with your friends. You can also find us on Instagram at Pirate Living Podcast to keep up with the latest episodes, awesome guests, and bonus clips. Hop in and say hi. We love chatting with fellow pirates. You can also reach out to us to learn more about our individual and group coaching programs. And keep creating good trouble. <laughs>